Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, conversationalists. It is Eric Erickson here on the day we destroy democracy simply by voting. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. Phone lines are open. We're doing a free-for-all. Just spare me the conspiracy theories. I want to play you a couple of bits of audio. This is from Cedric Richmond on NBC, MSNBC. Do those policy questions, though, um, not punch through as much as they should, you could argue, against a celebrity, a football hero in Georgia? Look, I, I mean, Herschel Walker, the thing speaks for itself. I mean, look, he, he is a terrible uh, candidate. His values are out of touch with America, period. And the fact that this race is uh, close, I think, just goes to show how extreme the Republican Party has turned and how they forfeit, forfeited their moral compass uh, over to uh, former President Trump. And so I think that uh, Reverend Warnock is going to win. And I think that what we have to do is make sure that we wait until all the votes are counted. And I'm uh, very confident that he's going to uh, prevail. He's been an excellent uh, senator. And I think that if you take a real honest look at uh, former football player Herschel Walker, uh, it's scary. And you have to realize the Senate is a deliberative body. And you are responsible for the welfare of not only the United States, but our standing around the world. And we need our best and our brightest. And Senator Warnock is certainly that. Right. You got that? Uh, They're dripping with disdain. They cannot believe they are losing to Republicans. They they just can't. And and then there's Essie Cup on CNN. This is why, I mean, all, all the races are important. And I know we're all watching, you know, Senate Pennsylvania, Senate Georgia. But the three races that I think are most important are Christina Caramo in Michigan, Mark Fincham in Arizona, and Jim Marchant in Nevada. They're all running for Secretary of State. They're all election deniers. Mm-hmm. They have all suggested in some way that they might not certify elections, that they might um, refuse. Unless they win. Unless they like the results. And they've tried, they've tried in the past that they want to try again. Um, I, I think those might be the most important Elections, you might not feel them. I understand yeah. pocketbook issues and crime. I get that. But that's the future of future elections right. and democracy. The media has internalized this. This is the future elections and democracy, future elections and democracy. You know what would save your future elections and democracy is you fix the economy. But the Democrats haven't focused on that. Instead, they've been yelling at people about threats to democracy. You can't actually save your democracy if you don't save the economy. History shows us that. And by the way, some of these people that she's worried about are going to win. And now here is Hillary Rosen and a discussion on CNN about the president and how he's handled all of this. Political folks as well, senior political commentators, Democratic strategist Hillary Rosen, Republican strategist David Urban. Good morning. So good to have both of you. I'm going to talk about closing messages. I'll start with you because I know that you believe that Democrats aren't particularly paying attention to what that voter just had to say there. Yeah. Um, Although Tim Ryan is. Tim, you know, yeah. That was, um, I think you guys were exactly right in that last segment. Look, we, we were always 
you know, um, a couple of steps back and it's a midterm. We were going to lose seats. That's inevitable. Once in 20 years did that not happen. So there, there's just no question that this isn't sort of Democrats' fault that we're going to um, uh, be in this situation. But I do think that we've lost an opportunity. I think the Senate being so close when we have really stronger candidates, better candidates, I think this is a, I think this is a problem. Voters have told us all year what they care about. And I think we have focused on other things. And I think the president's closing message last night about democracy is on the ballot again is frustrating to to people like me who, you know, don't want to see half the voters in America alienated um, or saying we're being accused of aligning with fascists because they're voting for their pocketbook. That's just not where we want to be. We want these people. We want them back in 2024. We want them to feel good when they go to the ballot. We have a story to tell. Yeah. We, we have a really good economic story to tell. The last time the Republicans were in charge, what, it, what was their economic plan? They, they gave away tax cuts to rich people and corporations. While I disagree with her on that last part, she's right here. The, the, the Democrats are maligning people who disagree with them. That they're, they're maligning them. They're attacking them. In New York, if you believe crime is a problem, you're being attacked as a racist by Democrats. By your sitting governor in New York believes you are a hysterical racist if you are upset about crime. Joe Scarborough from Morning Joe was on CNBC this morning talking about the, the, the statistics and the crime in New York that the, the Democrats have ignored. Rick Adams got elected mayor because he was going to get tough on crime. He was going to clean up New York. Well, Look who's gotten in his way. He's got he's got a very progressive D.A. Yep. Uh, Hochul uh, pushed back on him on, on no cash bail. Uh, and it has a real and these things have real impacts. You still can get into debate. And I've got tons of issues with Rudy Giuliani. But you go back to Giuliani as a mayor. You can look at what he did, focusing on those small crimes. Right. Don't ever right. tell a progressive. Don't talk about the broken windows there drives them crazy. But guess what? It worked in New York. And I think we can all, all of us that were around back then could talk about how New York changed more quickly, right. I think, than any major city. I think and, the problem right now is Democrats need to get tougher on crime. Biden needs to send that message from the top because I still think it's going to impact them well, on some important he races. Said he, uh, yes, it is. Y'all, the governor of New York could lose tonight because she's been dismissive of people's concerns on crime. Now, I actually, I, let me stop with the audio here and, and talk to you all for a minute. And those of you on the phones, be patient with me. I got to make this point. And it is repetitive, I know. But it is the basics of politics. It is politics 101. You talk about the issues that the voters want to talk about. You don't talk about your issues. Talk about the issues the voters want to talk about. The voters want to talk about crime and the voters want to talk about the economy. By God, you better talk about crime and the economy. If you don't talk about crime and you don't talk about the economy, you're going to lose the voters. And the Democrats lost the voters because the Democrats talked about abstractions. Threats to democracy are an abstraction for the American people. One, we're a republic, not a democracy. But two, voters only vote every other year. Some of them don't even vote regularly. It's an abstraction to tell them they're going to lose democracy, particularly by a bunch of people who funded the election deniers. 
The voters are smart enough to know both sides kind of do these cynical ploys. The voters don't view it as a threat to democracy. They view it as a talking point by the Democrats who spent $50 million funding Republican election deniers and ensuring they got nominations hoping to beat them. The voters are stupid, but they're smarter than the politicians. Yeah, listen, I I don't mean to offend you all, but I believe people are stupid generally and voters are people, so voters are stupid. But, I mean, they're smarter than the politicians who get elected by and large. And they kind of have a good BS detector. We get mad at voters sometimes on our side when they don't do what we want to do. Say, oh, the voters screwed us or whatever. But you got to respect the voters. You have to respect the voters. Because at the end of the day, if you belittle the voters, the voters turn on you. If you don't talk about the things the voters wish you to talk about, they're going to turn on you. You've got to talk about the issues the voters care about, folks. You've got to do that. If you don't do that, the voters turn on you. This isn't really rocket science. This is just the way the game is played. And the game is called life. And when you're a Democrat and you belittle the voters and you say it's all about threats to democracy, it's not about anything else, Um, don't be surprised when the voters throw out your party and put in a party that's talking about their issues. In Guam overnight, they have elected a delegate to the House of Representatives. Yes, Guam gets a non-voting delegate to the House of Representatives. For the first time since 1993, that person's going to be a Republican. I guess Guam is going to tip over now. Pour one out for Hank Johnson. Here's Van Jones on CNN. Well, listen, a lot of the uh, actual campaigns on the ground were focusing on uh, the, the economy, but you are correct. I think there was this kind of fool's gold, this idea that you know, the threat to democracy is so severe in the wake of this insurrection, in the wake of these election deniers possibly grabbing control of the government, that that was something that you had to talk about. But you also had to talk about the economy. The, I think the tragedy here is that uh, the Democrats have something to say on the economy in terms of what Biden has done when it comes to 10 million jobs, what Biden has done when it comes to prescription drug, drug prices, standing up to China on the CHIPS Act, and also the fear of what Republicans will do. If you think it's bad now, I think Democrats should have been saying, wait until uh, Republicans shut down the government to knock out mm-hmm. Social Security and Medicare. Wait until uh, prescription uh, drug uh, prices go up. But we didn't focus enough firepower on that issue, and I think it's going to potentially cost us. Yes, it's going to cost you. It is. I'm looking at the numbers as they come in. I've been talking to people during commercial breaks. I'm getting text messages in real time. There actually is shaping up to be a a Democratic down-ballot problem. They're not turning out in key precincts in Georgia. Democrats aren't showing up the way they normally do. In Virginia and in Florida, they're not. In Hispanic areas of Florida, Hispanic voters on the ground are signaling they're voting for the GOP. Uh, This is turning into actually a pretty big deal for the Democrats today. It's shaping up to be worse than they thought. Remember, they knew it was going to be bad, but they thought abortion mitigated it because of the Roe v. Wade decision. It's looking like that's not happening out there today. Now, this is all subject to change, but when you're looking in areas of Virginia and it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon 
Eastern time. You've only got the polls open for really four more hours, five more hours in Virginia. Uh, you're not going to get enough Democrats out to save some of these Democrats in areas of that state where they're at parity with the Republicans. They're so dominant. They hold these seats and they're going to get wiped out. This is shaping up to be a very bad day for Democrats. When you look at the early voting, when you look at the end of end of election polling, and you look at election day turnout in key primary or key precincts around the country, doom really is coming for the Democrats today. And they're starting to realize it at the DNC in Washington right now. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Um there's something happening in Virginia for sure. Uh, Democratic strategists in Virginia are having an all-hands-on-deck meeting at the Virginia Democratic Party right now uh, to assess turnout. It is down in historically dominant Democrat areas of that state, uh, and they have been trying to assess if early voting had something to do with it. This does not appear likely. Same is happening in Florida right now, and I'm told reliably Georgia is seeing this as well, that Democratic turnout is down from where it should be for Election Day, let alone early voting. This is kind of an all-hands-on-deck moment. Uh, progressive groups have already started sending out their reasons for why the Democrats lost so bad. Uh, Matt Iglesias uh, has this right now. I think this is hilarious. At least one progressive group already sent out its analysis of why Democrats lost the midterms. It's because they weren't progressive enough. Of course. All right. Uh, to the phones, I want to go to Keith first. Welcome to the show, Keith. Hey, Keith. Hi, this is Keith. Yes, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, first time caller. Assuming that both sides of Congress goes to the to the Republicans, do you think we as Republicans can be the bigger man and be more civil and try to reach out, uh, even though the Democrats portray us as evil and everything else? Look, I think they've I, I, look, uh, Keith. I think they've got to. Um, Biden should have done that. There's a report in the New York Times today that Biden doesn't understand why the country wasn't able to pull together. Well, when you're when you're screaming and saying that half the country's racist or fascist, uh, you're not going to get the people to come together. You're not going to. If the Republicans can show they're not spooky and they're not threatening democracy despite the historical rage of Democrats and the Democrats and the media together are going to work to malign them, show you're not a threat to democracy, show you're willing to work, even though you want to advance your own goals, I think that negates a lot of the power of the attack of the Democrats. Michael, you're going to be up next. Welcome. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. So uh, I have no idea what the Democrats are thinking. They don't need an all-hands meeting. What they need to do is, is rent one of those 20-passenger buses, 
put everybody that's Democratic Party on there, go to a gas station, try to fill it up, and then give them $100 and go into a grocery store and try to buy a meal for four. If that doesn't tell them why they didn't lose, then they are the ones that are stupid, not the voters. We, we let these people to represent us. They are not representing us. They have done nothing to help the economy. Uh, look at 18 months ago when they came into office, the economy was actually good, and now it is a total, absolute, catastrophic disaster. If they want to know why they, lose, why they lost, just look at that. And hopefully the Republican people are, are hearing me as a voter also. Don't get into to, uh, the office and get all enrolled in these investigations and payback. Do something for the people that elected you. Do something for the people that are your employers. And remember that there is two more years, and we don't necessarily have to vote for Republican. You have to have results, just not words. Amen. Uh, listen, Michael, I appreciate the phone call very much. 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Uh, to his point, let me, because I just clipped this, and I'm proud of my editing on the fly abilities here. Let me, one more time, I just put this on Twitter at E.W. Erickson if you want it, the Hillary Rosen uh, statement on CNN. I just tweeted out, I'm glad the Democrats didn't listen to Hillary Rosen, but they really, really should have. We we were always, you know, um, a couple of steps back, and it's a midterm we were going to lose seats. That's inevitable. Once in 20 years did that not happen. So there, there's just no question that this isn't sort of Democrats' fault that we're going to um, uh, be in this situation. But I do think that we've lost an opportunity. I think the Senate being so close when we have really stronger candidates, better candidates, I think this is a, I think this is a problem. Voters have told us all year what they care about. And I think we have focused on other things. And I think the president's Closing message last night about democracies on the ballot again is frustrating to to people like me who, you know, don't want to see half the voters in America alienated um, or saying we're being accused of aligning with fascists because they're voting for their pocketbook. That's just not where we want to be. We want these people. We want them back in 2024. We want them to feel good when they go to the ballot. We have a story to tell. Yeah. We, we have a really good economic story to tell. You got a story to tell, and you didn't tell it. Now, I don't think they have as much of a story to tell as she does. But they needed to talk about the voters' issues, and they didn't. And so doom is coming for them. And there is so much hysteria out there right now. Uh, Some of that hysteria is provoked by, well, this woman. What we know is that in the state of Georgia, Brian Kemp and Brad Rassenberger are hard at work denying access to the right to vote. In addition to the young woman you mentioned, I met a young woman who was denied the right to vote because she was living in her car. And even though the state of Georgia permits her to have a P.O. box for that purpose, she was challenged and she was denied the right to vote and not offered an absentee ballot. We know that across the state, people are facing these challenges. We know that we have seen absentee ballots not go out because they changed the law to make it harder to get an absentee ballot, easier for that ballot to be rejected. And they made it more difficult for counties to meet their obligations by truncating the timetable. And starting tomorrow, we are going to have voting where if you're standing in line in Georgia, it's 82 degrees in Atlanta. Imagine if you're down in South Georgia, where it's going to be a lot hotter. You can't get water And if those lines are four, five, six hours long, if you happen to spill your bottle, you better not get out of line because no one can give you water. That's the kind of voter suppression that Brian Kemp has always specialized in, targeting with almost surgical precision the most vulnerable voters and hoping no one notices. 
I think I heard a dog barking in the background there. Um, y'all, the wait time in Georgia right now, two minutes to go vote. If you can't do that without a bottle of water, uh, I don't know what to tell you. 877-973-7425 is the number. Call in. I'll be right back. All right. Uh, this is my get serious moment of the day here because I need to talk to you real quick about a couple of things. And then I want to take your phone calls. Uh, I will be back on, if you're in the Atlanta area, I'll be on my flagship station, WSB, starting at 6 p.m. through the night. I'll be running away from the station around 8 p.m. to try to get to the Kemp event. I'm the MC uh, for the Brian Kemp election event, but I'll be checking in with the station throughout the night. Um, I I, got to, got to, got to, got to get your attention for a few moments, please. This is actually really important. Elections are not flawless and never have been. And I need you to know that. There are problems in Maricopa County, Arizona, conforming to stereotype today. Uh, Machines broken in Pennsylvania. There are uh, places running out of paper. This always happens. But we live in a 24-hour, 7, 24-7 news cycle now, and we're more mindful of it now. And everyone is conspiracy-minded these days. And so everyone's convinced something is sinister. There are sometimes sinister things that happen. More often than not, it's because these elections are run by retirees who are in many cases volunteering their time or being paid barely anything to do it. They are not necessarily the best trained people. Every state does it differently. One of the actual great things about our system is that every state does it differently. And that helps the integrity of the process because it's really hard to steal an election when every single state in the union, all 50 of them have a different process, different machines, different people, different uh, procedures along the way. It really helps us. Even though it seems convoluted to outsiders and it seems convoluted to you now, uh, many of you thinking, oh, why, why don't we have a uniform process nationwide? You don't want a uniform process nationwide. Then it becomes even easier to undermine the process. But more importantly, these poll locations around the country today are very often staffed with retirees who believe in working for our betterment as a country through upholding our democratic interests. They may be Democrat. They may be Republican. By and large, they're nonpartisan today. Sure, there are examples, but the examples that get highlighted, you you tend to forget. We're talking about tens of thousands of people around the country, and we found five bad apples. That's really good. And you can be one of the people who works these polls. The media is pushing a story that it's outrageous there are going to be so many Republican poll watchers out there. And in some cases, they become poll workers. They should be applauding it. People who thought the election was stolen have now learned how to process the election. I can't tell you the number of people I know who, when they believe the 2020 election was stolen, I said, go volunteer, go learn to be a poll worker, learn the process, work the polls. And almost to a person, they called back over the last two years and said, hey, it turns out you're right. The election wasn't stolen. What I thought was an election being stolen was actually a legitimate part of the process. I didn't know I wasn't aware of. If you are unhappy with your voting today, whether you're listening to me right now up in in Illinois, you're in North Carolina, you're in Georgia, you're in Florida, you're in Ohio, or you're in um, Ohio, you're in Oklahoma, you're in Oregon, Nevada, Arizona, 
You're in Montana. Where else are we? We're, we're on stations across the country right now. But go be a poll worker. Step up. Get the day off work. Go work the polls. Almost every employer in the country will allow you to take a day off work to serve on a jury and take a day off work to serve as an election worker. Almost every employer in the country does now. Go do it. See the process. If you want, there's no room at you to be a worker, be a watcher for for a party. I don't care which party. Be a Democratic poll watcher. Be a Republican poll watcher. But go be a watcher for your party. Learn how to spot fraud at the polls. Learn how to spot something nefarious. Go do it. Be an observer for a political party. Be an observer and engage in the Democratic Act. You've got to do this for yourself. But again, coming full circle, show some grace to these election workers. Most of the people that you're going to find at the polling locations, they're not full-time employees of a board of elections. They show up once every other year to do this because they believe they're helping the system, and they are, and they're not perfect, and they make mistakes. There's no perfect election. I was a lawyer who did election law. It's one of the reasons I decided I, I, I couldn't honestly say the election was stolen in Georgia in 2020 because, one, uh, I had helped write the law uh, and knew the procedure and could understand what was going on when others didn't. But also, having been a lawyer who defended and challenged elections, I knew the process and, and knew the math. One time I was involved in an election. I was defending it for a county. The local clerk of Superior Court lost by 19 votes. And I was in charge of, uh, well, I, I just got out of law school. I didn't have my law license, but I was the only one there, including the judge who knew the election law. And so I was able to tell the judge and my team the procedures and and the lawyer on the other side, he didn't know election law, and so he thought if he just got nineteen people in and they all had problems voting, that that was proof that the election needed to be thrown out. And really, he didn't know. You, you, there were fifty some odd people who didn't vote in the election, so he needed seventy people because you can't presume that people voted in in a race on a ballot. They may have shown up and voted that day, but you can't presume that they voted in that particular race. So he needed 70-some people unless he had 19 people who you know for certain based on absentee ballots had cast votes in that race, and, and, and he didn't have them. And of those 19, one said he was intimidated, but he meant he was scared to go to uh, court to talk about his vote. Another was a man who had died after the election, so his vote counted, and then he died, and he didn't sign his ballot. His sister did, and his sister didn't fi- sign the affidavit. Uh, his hands had been ripped off in a cotton gin. defended that election. But what struck me is the number of people who showed up who they just wanted to be a part of the process, good, kind-hearted people who wanted to be a part of that process. Yes, they made mistakes, but they weren't mistakes made maliciously. They were mistakes made because they only do it every other year. 
and no one should condemn those people for making mistakes. Yes, boards of elections that re- repeatedly screw up, they need to be clean they need to be cleaned up. The Maricopa County Board of Elections in Arizona absolutely needs to be cleaned up. I'm not saying don't clean it up when there are mistakes, clean it up. They regularly make mistakes. 20% of their equipment is offline today as there's a massive Republican wave of voters. In Pennsylvania, they've ran out of ballots in some locations. That stuff should be cleaned up. What I am saying, though, is don't jump immediately to conspiracy and maliciousness when overwhelmingly it's government incompetence at the Board of Elections level and overwhelmingly at the actual precinct level is because these are volunteer retirees who they get paid but barely anything and they only do it every other year. Don't make those people the bad guy. They're trying to help you. Now, let's go back to the phones. First to Jim. You're going to be on the Eric Erickson Show. Jim, welcome. Well, thanks, Eric. Well, the last two elections, I've gone out of my way to make sure that people who disagree with me are encouraged to vote. I take a, go vote, get my sticker, and take a picture of myself with a smile and say, if you disagree with me, vote. If you agree, vote. Let's do this. And the reason for that is, Nothing scares me more than voter apathy, people just throwing up their hands and deciding, I'm not going to try anymore. That bothers me. I do not want that to happen uh, more than anything else. I wish they did agree with me, but they don't, and they do need to get out there and vote. Yeah, look, Jim, I'm glad you said that because I, I, I wrote that this morning, and I hope you guys will actually subscribe. You can get 15% discount because I'm going to be sending out a volley of information this evening as the polls are closing. I want my my readers of my Substack to be as up to speed and in the know as uh, possible. So text the word DATA to 33777. Hit that first link, get a subscription. So this stuff comes to your inbox. As soon as I write it, I push send. I send it out, sometimes with typos. My apologies. But what I said this morning is I have a dog in the fight. I, I, I want the GOP to win. But I don't care if you don't. I want you to go vote. I want you to participate in the process. I want you to see how it's done. I want you to be a part of it. My wife's younger cousin, I think he's about 30 years old, called me yesterday. He had never voted before. He's married now. He's got a kid. He felt like he needed to go vote. How do you vote? I told him, if you're if you're not registered in Georgia, at least it's too late. We don't have same-day registration. But if you're registered, he thought he was, here's what you do. He had some simple questions. How do, how do you go in? What do you do? Can he leave part of the ballot blank if he doesn't know? I said, yeah, I mean, go in and vote. He only wanted to vote for Brian Kemp. That's it. He didn't want to vote for anybody else. I said, go do that. I actually talked to Brian Kemp yesterday. He said he had encountered three people over 70 just yesterday who had registered to vote for the first time to vote for him. 70 years old had never voted before. Go vote. Go vote. It is your power to maintain a government of the people, for the people, and by the people by going to vote. I don't care who you vote for. I hope you vote for my side, but I don't really care. I just want you to go experience your power as a citizen of the United States to shape your country's future. And all you have to do is touch a screen or fill in a bubble on a piece of paper. And it is raw power. James, you're up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. James, first-time caller. Um, if the Republicans take the House and the Senate, 
if the president just vetoes everything they, they send to him, would that help the GOP in the 2024 election or would it hurt them? Um, okay, so if Republicans control everything, does it help them or hurt them? Yeah, um, well, if they control, but then the president just vetoes every bill they send his way. If he just vetoes everything, does it make know, them look like that they didn't do anything? No, look, I, I think the voters, as much as I think people are stupid, I think voters kind of understand it. They can say, look, he's been the obstacle. Here's what we passed. Here's what he vetoed. Uh, and that's a lot of that's going to happen. He will veto a lot when the Republicans are in charge, assuming stuff can get through um, – can get through. I I really do think that the Republicans will have a narrative to tell. They will be able to shape the election based on where they're headed, what they do. Uh, they'll have a story to tell, and I think it'll be a good story to tell for 2024. One of the groups that's helping them tell that story is Americans for Prosperity, and I hope you'll consider joining them. They've got local chapters around the country. Americans for Prosperity, it's not a think tank more so much as a do think, uh, a do think, you know, whatever. Uh, they, you know what I mean. They get you to do it, to, to, to become a conservative activist and show up and have your voice heard. They give you the ammunition, the intellectual firepower to make great arguments, to engage with your local school board, your city council, your county commission, even your state representative and state senator. They teach you how to make a good case in a limited amount of time on the issues you care about. They believe in free markets and free people. I'm delighted to be on their advisory panel now, a fellow of Americans for Prosperity. Uh, big fan of this organization. I've been working with them since I really got started at Red State back in 2004, 2005. Uh, they have not gone wobbly as so many people on the right have. And that's why I admire them so much, and I'm delighted to partner with them on this effort to try to get you to join them. They have chapters all over the country, and you might want to start one if you don't have one in your state. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric is where you want to go. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, one more call today. I'm going to allow it to be Liz. Welcome to the show, Liz. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I am sitting in central Florida waiting for the hurricane to get here, and I get a message on my phone that our State Department got a letter from the Department of Justice saying that they're going to send federal agents to be inside polling places in specific counties in Florida. Right. They yeah. can't do that. No, they can't. In fact, uh, the uh, DeSantis administration has responded to the DOJ saying it's against the law. Uh, and I believe they've now got a federal judge who's a Republican appointee to agree with the DeSantis administration and block the Why federal election inspectors. Oh, intimidation. Why would they want to do that? Intimidation. Uh, the Democrats are going to get a pass by the media for this, uh, even though it is voter intimidation, having uh, federal inspectors in. They, they're they trying to cast doubt on the election themselves. Nobody in the press cares because Democrats are always given uh, purity of motive and whatnot, but it's not going to happen. DeSantis has locked him out, said you can't do it. By the way, here at the end, I'm looking at more real-time data. Democrats, let me just read you this from um, from Ben Trippetts, who's one of the uh, Democratic pundits in Virginia. Now would be a good time for a freakout. Turnout is not where it needs to be for Democrats hoping to see long lines tonight. That's a problem. Um, also in Clark County, Nevada, there are long, long, long lines, long lines 
in Clark County Republican neighborhoods. Uh, the Democrats in Nevada are beginning to f- fire up the sirens saying we have a real problem on our hands in Nevada. Uh, it looks like the Republicans are going to do fine there. Also, several Republican counties in Pennsylvania are already seeing such long lines that judges are extending poll voting time until 10 p.m. Eastern in parts of uh, Pennsylvania tonight because the Republicans have shown up so much, so big, in such thick lines that it's taking over an hour for people to be able to get through and vote. And in some of those cases, they've already run out of ballots because they underestimated the turnout. This is starting to look very bad for the Democrats. On my flagship station, WSB, from 6 to 8 tonight, I will be on a roundtable discussion. I'll be analyzing and looking at a lot of this data as it starts to flow in nationally uh, and be able to talk about that tonight uh, from sources on the ground uh, with the different parties, with different election lawyers around the country trying to figure out the way this is flowing tonight. But it doesn't look good for the Democrats right now at all. Also, if you text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K to 33777. I'm going to try to do some Instagram live updates later tonight, and I'll be pushing stuff out on my sub stack if you want to subscribe. Uh, Be sure to follow all those links. Follow me on social media. Get the email because uh, as this stuff starts coming in, I'm going to give you the bleeding edge information as I get it. And right now that information is there is a turnout problem on hand for Democrats that is offsetting anything they had in the early vote. Uh, And I mean that, uh, look, not as a partisan, I'm just telling you the data. Republicans are starting to crush turnout. Uh, Republicans right now are ahead in Maricopa County, Arizona, where the election issues are happening. They should not be ahead. It's a warning sign for Democrats that the day of Maricopa County, Republican turnout is as high as it is. It's a warning for Democrats across Virginia, even into the northern Virginia area that is dominant uh, Democrat, that Republicans are turning out way more than the Democrats. It is a warning sign for Democrats that across Florida, including in Brown, Howard and Miami-Dade County, that's the Palm Beach area in Miami, that uh, the Republicans are turning out in excess of Democrats and the Republicans have already won the early vote. It is a warning sign for Democrats in Georgia that Democratic precincts in Georgia and the metro Atlanta area in Cobb and Gwinnett County are actually down and there are lines in Republican areas in those same counties. That's a problem for the Democrats. We're seeing a pattern showing up and it's transcending the states. It's going nationwide of Democratic precincts not having to wait, Republican precincts having to wait, in addition to the offsets of early voting and the polling. Massive shift in the polling overnight as well. We're now 538 expects Dr. Oz to get elected in Pennsylvania. Stay with us tonight here. Uh, Stay with me. Follow me on Substack and you'll get the latest.